Hey everyone, Dirty Mo Media President Mike Davis here. Excited to tell you about one of our newest sponsors at Dirty Mo, Airbnb. The irony here is that Airbnb is new to Dirty Mo Media, but Dirty Mo Media is not new to Airbnb. It has been accommodating us for years. And if you are a race fan, and I think you are, you know why. I mean, you've booked hotels at, uh, during a race weekend. They're, the prices are insane. You're stuck with these unreasonable multi-night minimums. Whereas Airbnb, you got many choices, all within proximity, and it ends up being way more affordable. Now, I'm not only a frequent Airbnb guest, but my wife and I are also Airbnb hosts. And you should be too. We've been doing it for years. I'll tell you why. We have an investment property that we realized it could be earning additional income through Airbnb. You don't have to have an investment property to do that. You could just find extra space in your home. That works too. It all could be making you some extra cash. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. What do you think? Did he get him? I mean, of all things to say. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Family picnic sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> more than just potato salad. Are you kidding me, Mike? Oh my God, that is hilarious. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. Welcome back again for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download here in the Bojangles studio with my co-host Mike Davis. Mike, how are you doing? Doing great. Can't wait for this one. <laughs> cannot wait okay like christmas morning i'm glad well i want to let you know that this entire episode of the dale jr download is brought to you by ally we want to thank ally for their continued support across all of dirty mo media's content yeah they're a good one yeah they've uh they've been a great partner to us and a great friend of the show doing great things in nascar i'm really amazed by their involvement in the sport yeah you love when you see big companies get involved and go the extra mile right 100 uh, percent. they're certainly important to us so thank you to ally for that all right so we're getting right into it dirty air coming up first uh want to also make sure we mention lionel and i'm still looking for the um did i just make that nope um yeah, we have a trash can in here. I try to make a lot of shots. And, and he misses most of them. Miss most of them, but that but was you, close. Yeah, Anyhow, back to the Lionel diecast, man. I'm still looking for that late model stock diecast to come onto the table. And I keep talking about it, hoping that I'll just kind of will it into existence, but still not here. I mean, have you heard anything from Lionel yet? Nothing. No samples or nothing? No, but we haven't asked him either, have we? I don't think – I think we should probably just ask I figured him. just, we, you know, speaking it into existence, uh, putting it out there in the universe would uh, help. That happens a lot of times with yeah, you. Surely Wilkesboro, somebody at Lionel – A couple of things. Surely somebody at Lionel listens to the show. They do. <laughs> they for sure do. But right. I don't know. I mean, like, there's a lot of manufacturing that goes into those things, I reckon. All right. Well, so a change just for this week in our programming, this show – Dirty Air, Ash Jr., episode 473, is coming out today, as in Monday. Oh, yeah. As in now. A day early. Yeah, so you're listening to it. That's right. Um, it's a day early. Nothing happens tomorrow. Nothing. All right, everybody? Your usual Tuesday, Dirty Air, Ash Jr., is coming a day early. All right, nothing tomorrow. And then, again, on Wednesday, Becoming Earnhardt. 
Episode three. That's right. Episode three, Becoming Earnhardt. How's that coming along, man? It's coming along great. Is it? Yeah. Are, are you enjoying it? Well, I know. I'm saying that episode three coming, like we are building it, actively building it right now. Yeah. Yeah. How is it coming along? It's coming along great. I've worked on it a little bit with you, but I haven't heard anything I know what in you're the asking. last 24 hours. I know what you're asking. Yeah. Why haven't you heard it yet? That's what you're wondering. Well, I haven't I heard anything. <laughs> like, hey, man, things are good. Oh, we're in trouble. Uh, well, we're ahead. We're behind. Um, we're doing great. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> Let's, y'all have no idea, y'all that are listening, y'all have no idea what, uh, what kind of a situation, what a pickle. I've put in uh, Dirty Mo Media in with this Becoming Earnhardt uh, series that uh, I've just forced upon everybody. Um, it has been a Herculean effort to try to you know build these episodes in really no time at all. Um, so can just, we just, can we just say though, episode two last week, fantastic. I mean, listen, this was the the whole mecca of the nineteen seventy nine season, yeah. the fight, okay. the nineteen seventy nine stuff. I mean, the Tell Daytona five hundred. So something yeah, big about time. episode two that I don't know. That you don't know? Yes. Like, not some information that's in it. Like, how uh, popular has it been? Are people listening to it? Listen, they're... Yes, people are listening to it. But <laughs> second of all, I would say that the media coverage of Becoming Earn yes. Art continues yeah. to happen. And I so that, that was a little bit... Awful uh, announcing, put out a tweet yeah. that you shared with me. And yeah. I was so thankful for that. I actually reached out to the art, uh, the writer of that article in uh, DMs. And man, I really appreciate it. That's cool. Those little moments, man... I mean, look, the, the, the download has been around a long time, right? And it's had uh, – it, it ebbs and flows in sort of how how media picks up on it, right? When we have something pertinent talk, to talk about or a big story or whatever, they sometimes dip into our comments and use some of our quotes and stuff. But, man, yes, to your point, the way that people have embraced becoming Earnhardt and are sharing it and saying, hey, this is actually pretty good. Y'all should check this out. has been a great thing. Yeah, and I'm very thankful for it. That awful announcing article that I, that you're alluding to um, had some very complimentary things yeah. about you and the, what your role oh. in preserving the history of the sport has been. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I thought that was very nice. I think they're a fun follow too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. they're great. Yep. Awful announcing on Twitter. Um, anyhow, let's get into dirty air. Today's dirty air is brought to you by Valvoline, the original motor oil. Um, there's a lot to unpack, right? Yeah, I'd um, say so. So where do we begin? I, I let's first start. I know everybody's be wanting our take on. <laughs> I, I know everybody's going to be wanting our take on the Denny Hamlin deal, and in this particular instance, it, it does matter what Kyle Petty had to say about it. Yeah, yeah, because I know you, you and him had some exchanges on on uh, the internet, <laughs> and so. Um, but anyhow, before we get into all that. Um, I got an opportunity to do something cool. So every week we went into this season, NBC went into this season with, uh, hey, man, we're going to change it up a little bit as far as how we do the pre-race and how we lead into the race itself. And it's been so far well-received. NBC, I think, uh, has been doing an amazing job bringing the races. A lot has changed behind the scenes uh, that a lot of people may not be aware of. But, uh, you know, as far as in the production, there's been some changes in personnel, and it has actually been very, very uh, seamless. And the the race broadcast itself, I, I love what we're doing. And I think everybody's doing a great job. Replay, sound design, uh, cameras, uh, production, all of that is doing, uh, doing amazing. And so 
our bosses had this idea. We're going to do this action adventure is what they call it. And you may remember, like, we're, you know, Jeff Burton walking down beside the, uh, the starting grid talking about cars, right? It's a bit of a throwback to how things might have been done uh, a couple decades ago or even more. I love it. And so um, we even got more ideas we're trying to push, trying to make happen. But this week, so to move that around, right, and make it unique and different every week, the tracks provide us some some opportunities to do uh, to take fans to different locations or put fans in different situations. Uh, this particular week, uh, they wanted me to be in the flag stand. So, man, I, I, I had a ball up there. And so when they say, hey, Dale, you're going to do a bunch of hits in the flag stand, you, uh, your mind goes, all right, how do we make this great? I get up there and just start looking around, and uh, you ask questions. Grab flag man, flag to- you, you ask him questions. You start saying, hey, why are you doing this? What do you do here? What do you say here, right? Um, and so I noticed, um, I don't know, you know, there's. Uh, I noticed there were two checkered flags sitting there. And, and they got these little, um, they got these little holders. It's kind of like a holder on a boat for a rod, right, for, for fishing. And they stick the flags in those. And then they have a bag that some of the flags are in. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, okay, some of the more commonly used flags are in the holders, out of the bag, and then the ones that are rarely used are in the bag. And this guy is uh, doing the Xfinity race. And I imagine, you know, they get they have a different flag man every event for the most part, truck, Xfinity, cup. So uh, as I learned on Sunday, they got two guys up there for the cup race, and they're they're like, hey, we're the A team. We're the, no. we're the experienced team. We're, we're. And so uh, I was like, why are there two? There was one yesterday in Xfinity. You got two now. He's like, well, something happens. It's a longer race. You know, somebody might get fatigued. We're both experienced. We can both do this. And so, anyhow, um, I, on Saturday, I see there's a couple in the holster, and uh, I asked him, you know, I was like, yeah. And then there's two checkered flags, and one of them had win, win written on top of it. And it looked very new. So the one checkered flag was was a little weathered, you know, a little darker, um, and then the, uh, the other one was brand new and I thought, Hey, I see what's going on here. This checker flag is the, the new one is the one that they're going to hand out to the winner. That's right. right. And he can do whatever he wants with it. Give it to a kid, what have you. And, um, and I love those little things, right? So it, it's, it's, it reminds me of when we win the race at Martinsville, we jumped on that stage and started bouncing around and that clock was up there and the clock's about to fall over. And everybody at home's going, you're about to destroy your clock. What they didn't know is my clock's in a box in the in the infield. That's right. That's not my clock. <laughs> you can do whatever you want to that yeah, clock. Yeah, that's a, that's a prop. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, it was, you know, it's, I kind of like that inside baseball yeah. stuff, right? And it, it's a, I'm in the flag stand. I'm not, not a lot to work with up there, but I'm trying to find out things that I think would be interesting. I said, hey, who's our... Uh, Who's our honorary flagman today? And they point to this kid that's walking up this the toward the stands to walk up into the and and it's Victor, right? And I had just met Victor on pit road. His family said, "Hey, I was walking by." They go, "Hey, can you take a picture with Victor?" I said, "Sure, great." I'm take I've taken many pictures walking down pit road, right? Took a picture with Victor. Kept on moving, heading toward where I need to be. I didn't know he was a flagman honorary, right? So. They're like, that's him right there. I said, oh, I met him just a few minutes ago. This is cool. And yeah. Victor has autism. And I thought, 
this is pretty incredible. I don't I don't remember another time where someone with autism was uh, given the opportunity to be an honorary flagman. That was that was uh, um, very cool to me, right? And I'm thinking, man, Victor is getting ready to have a hell of an experience, right? And so, um, I don't know, man. That was I just I just was really uh, I totally forgot about my role as an analyst uh, in that moment, right? And I was just like, oh hell with the camera and the mic and all that, you know. This is you know, I want to, uh, you know, I want I want to watch Victor have this experience. And so, you know, we we had him, you know, had a great time. He weighs the, he weighs the green flag, and I'm watching the cars and listening to the cars, and then. I said, uh, you know, I remember this when I was up there for the first time. I thought, yeah, man, it's going to be cool when, when I wave the green flag and the cars are coming under me, but they're only accelerating to speed. And and somebody grabbed me and said, hey, don't move. You need to be here for the next lap because that's when they're coming by full speed. You'll love it. This is at Daytona. And holy hell, man, <laughs> you sticking around for that second lap is well worth it. That's really the moment, All right? Waving the green, being up there for that. The, the race kind of starting is is a cool feeling, but that second lap when they come back at speed, you, the whole field, the whole grandstands sort of experiencing this all together, right? All the fans seeing the cars come by at speed for the first time. Many people in the grandstands maybe seeing their first race, and so Victor's easing, easing, easing away, right? Backing away, he doesn't know, you know, he's like he's trying to get out of the way of the flagman and everybody else up there. There's a lot of people up there. And I was like, oh, no, Victor, come here. You got to watch this, dude. This is the moment when they come by this time. This is the moment. You got to be here for this. And uh, and so that was cool. I'm glad they captured that. So I, I, I loved going back and watching that again. And then on Sunday, I was standing there. Okay, so Sunday morning, they're like, hey, you're going to do the whole thing again. And I'm like, you know, I go on Reddit, and I'm reading people's uh, comments about uh, the work I did Saturday and uh, I do that because, you know, there, there's often some good ideas about, like, what people would love to see, what they missed, what they didn't learn, what they want to know more about, uh, what they didn't like. Um, Reddit is kind of a, a quick, easy place to go and get really straightforward feedback, right? It, you, know, you can't – a lot of – it's hard to get that in other areas of social media, but so far Reddit – has been a good place for me to really kind of get pretty good understanding of the, the pulse. Right. And so anyways, uh, I was reading that and getting people's feedback on it. And I went up there and, and I thought I can't do the same thing again. I can't do it all over again. This is new. This has got to be new. But I told people in the production meeting, I said, this is like taking this, this is, not going to be as good as yesterday. We had Victor yesterday. We had it was a great moment. It, I don't know who the honorary flagman is for Sunday, but this won't be as good. This is like eating the second bite of a good piece of cake. You know, it's never going to be as good as the first. And they were like, "Oh, come on, you can do it." So we get up there, and literally, like, I, I, we were about ten minutes from going on air, and I had this one hit where I really was drawing a blank on what to do with it. And they were going to come to me for about a minute and 30 seconds, which Oof, is a long time. That is a long time. Yeah. For, yeah. Anything over 45 seconds is, is quite a bit. You got to get creative or you got to have something important to say. You can't just, you know, right, give meander. some generic crap. And so they, I was standing there and I asked the guys, I said, all right. They had a guy named Robert, first race ever. 
I don't know where Robert came from. Don't know his connection to the event or how he got brought there. But they have a, this guy named Robert, right? He's he's. I was like, okay, what do y'all tell Robert, right? What are y'all telling him? I'm going to try my best to make the fan at home watching uh, get a sense of what it's like getting ready to be the honorary starter. I'm going to give them the instructions that you're going to give Robert. And so um, I don't know how that worked. I haven't seen a clip of it. Uh, but anyways, you know, I'm, they come to me, and I'm like, hey, all right, everybody, you're, you're, you're the flag. You're the honorary flagman. This is what's going on. I'm going to, you know, you're, I'm going to control everything. As a NASCAR official, I'm going to take care of everything under the pace laps. But then as they're coming around and getting the one to go, I'm going to push you to the rail, give you the green flag. I'm going to give you the green flag, and they're, you're going to watch them come around. They're going to come right through the Geico Research Zone. When they get to that final line, I'm going to tap you on the shoulder, and you're going to wave the green flag. I want you to wave it all the way until every car has came by. I want you also to remember, have a good time. You're on TV. <laughs> and don't drop it. <laughs> That's right. That's the most important yeah, one. Because And the don't drop it part is funny. You can't not say it, right, in that moment. Uh, it's perfect for the bit, but it's so true because – you just have you have to be in the flag stand to realize the wind. Oh, I can imagine. I and can only imagine. It's already kind of gusty at some of these racetracks up in that flag stand. But when the cars come by, even accelerating on that first lap, waving that green flag, if you're not hanging on on that thing, it could get away from you. Yeah, it feels like you would have to have a deliberate attempt to hang on yeah. or else you could make the mistake because yeah. I'm sure it rattles you. Yeah, and the wind doesn't really so if the field's coming by right 40 cars the wind doesn't start happening until about halfway through the field ah so like you don't feel it at first and after about the 20th car the wind starts whipping up and the wind is really the most at the very last car and it keeps kind of tumbling and 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 blowing through the flag stand moments after the last car has passed it's really interesting uh, but it's a lot it's a lot you really got to be hanging on that flag but um you know, I don't know. I, I thought I had a lot of fun doing that. I loved your improv moment. You had an improv moment when you were up there yeah. for the cup race. Well, all right. D oh, during the when, – the, When they came back around. When they came back around, yeah. So uh, this is my personal feelings, man. I love everything about what I'm doing up in that pre-race moment. I love walking by the cars out at the pit road as they're firing the engines. I love that moment. Being down there in that energy, it is so easy to genuinely be excited and to let that come through to the, to the viewer at home, to share with them, this is cool, this is exciting. We all should get excited about this together. I enjoy the same, uh, I enjoyed the same thing for the same reasons in the flag stand. But the moment that the green flag comes out, I want to be in that booth. Mm-hmm. I want to be in the booth. I wanted this job to be an analyst in a broadcast booth. And so every minute that I'm down there, you know, doing any work, radio style, whatever you want to call it, uh, from the flag stand, like every time we've done this, I've missed the majority of the first stage. Yeah, I don't like that either. What happens is, is I get to the booth, and I don't really know what's happened. Yeah, how could you? I don't know yeah. what they've said. I don't want to repeat what they're talking about. Um, and man, it's just hard. It's like, imagine a broadcaster in an NFL game, just having to sit in the basement for the first quarter. Mm -hmm. 
you know, or, or sit in the locker room and not, you know, and then come on up to the booth in quarter two and plug right in. All right. Yeah, that's not going to be optimal. Right. Right. And so even though I'm in the flag stand or on pit road, it's just hard to get into what's happening and see everything. Right. Uh, the glare on that little monitor we have, I really can't tell who's leading or what's going on. I can't see cars get loose or make mistakes. Um, and anyways, it, it's a balance. We got to work on it to perfect it. It's, I love what we're doing before the green flag. And I think that we're, we're, we're doing something nice and new and good. Want to continue it. Um, but I'm telling you, man, I want, I cannot, when the green flag comes out, I cannot wait to be turned loose and get back to the booth. So this is going to be maybe a dumb question, Dale, but why can't you, because I don't like the fact that you're not in the booth talking and broadcasting until about stage two anyways. I, I don't like it either. Yeah. Why can't you go immediately from the flag stand right to the booth and start? And, and start? I mean, I know that it's still not ideal. Yeah. It's still not ideal. But why do they hold you so long before you can go? At, they're, the, so the producer and the director are the authority. You know, I'm, I work for NBC. They, NBC's telling me what to do. So you could go in sooner, but they don't let you. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I like mean, it. I got to listen to what they're telling me. I got. They say, "Hey, man, we're gonna we're gonna leave you down there." I don't move until they say you're clear. We don't. You know, when we call a race, we stay on headsets. When the race is over, we stay on headsets until they say the booth is clear. That that is, you don't take a headset off. You don't assume your job is done, and. That's the mentality that you have in those moments. And so when you're standing on that flag stand, you stand there until they tell you to leave. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I did love your energy that you brought as you were on the flag stand, especially when you had that improv moment it's when so they came easy. around the second time. Well, yeah, but you kind of like keyed your mic and let them go through. Well, but And that was fun because you, you even can't said, hear me. You, well, I know that, but you also go, sorry, guys, I can't, I couldn't help myself. Yeah. And that was kind of fun. It was a fun improv moment. But yeah, Dale, I mean, you're the, I need to hear your voice as the broadcast team telling us what's on the track from the driver perspective, yeah. and they've got both the drivers down doing other things, and I don't love it. I understand that they're trying new things, but the fact of the matter is, is that uh, your perspective from the booth seems, for me, as a viewer, far outweighs than whatever kind of stuff they got you before the race. That's just my opinion. That's a fair point. Um you know, I just, it's a balance and we'll work on it. And I've talked with my bosses and, and we'll continue to to adjust. But we also got to acknowledge what we think is a good thing and how we feel like that um, it, it's it's a nice way to, to start the show. Uh, I do love, I, I loved being in that flag stand up until the green flag. It was energetic. It was great to be in so, such close proximity of the fans. Uh, but as soon as the green flag happens and the cars are racing, I'm like, I need to be in the booth. I want to be in the booth. I miss that perspective. Like, I want to get up, up, up high and be able to see it all, right? Yeah. And see what's going on. Gran Turismo, based on a true story, is a movie about a team of unlikely underdogs, a struggling working class gamer, a failed former race car driver, and an idealistic motorsports executive. Together, they risk it all and take on the most elite sport in the world. Directed by Neil Blomkamp, this movie features an incredible cast led by David Harbour, alongside Orlando Bloom, Jaiman Hansu, Jerry Hollowell Horner, and Archie Medequi as Yann Martinborough. Some of the most famous racing competitions in the world are recreated through the use of actual Nissan GTs, 
drones, and practical effects. The racing sequences are so realistic that Jan Martinborough himself worked as a stunt driver on the movie. This movie needs to be seen on the big screen. It's an inspiring, thrilling, action-packed movie. Gran Turismo, based on a true story, is exclusively in movie theaters August 11th. Get your tickets today. Rated PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. The Austin Dillon Reddick, that was hilarious. Uh, I text Austin this morning a little bit, just making sure we're still pals. Um, oh, that's right, because yeah, he cited you. Yeah. He saw. I don't know that he was mad. I, I at least uh, I heard his MRN interview, and he's like, "Well, I guess Junior said on TV that it was my fault, so I guess I was." Yeah. I didn't take that no, as him didn't. being critical. I thought him taking it as in maybe I should look back at it. But was he mad? Well, I don't know if he even saw my point of view, but he might have been told by somebody in his camp that Dale put the blame on you, right? And so that I put the blame on him, and. You know, I understand that. I can't count how many times I've been annoyed and mad at broadcasters, and you hold a grudge, and um, you know, you're like, "Hey, that guy, that guy wrote a bad article about me. I'm never working with him again. I'll never do. I'll never accept one of his requests for uh, for an interview." You do. You hold grudges, and you can. Um, and I think sometimes it's valid, uh, but the that's a tough situation to be in that we sometimes find ourselves in. And there's been times so. It, when you're a when you're a broadcaster and you've raced with these guys, you you're still friends with a lot of them. You got to have good relationships with the drivers so that they can respond to text messages or questions that you might have about them or the race, their upcoming race. You got to have that dialogue, right? And you're going to piss them off, right? Mm-hmm. And you got to repair that damage. And so there's going to be moments when they do things in the race that you think's a mistake. And you might be right, you might be wrong, but you got a second to decide, right? Did I see a driver do X, Y, or Z? And the fan wants to know your thoughts. They yeah. don't want you to flip-flop. They don't want you to call it, uh, you know, they don't want you to call it thin or, or avoid it. Or neutral. Or neutral. No. Right. They no. don't like it. They don't want that. They want, really, your gut feeling. And if you can if you can just believe in your gut in those moments and just say what you think. Look, in that moment I'm watching that wreck. The 45 it was a low percentage pass. He's on the bottom of three wide going into turn 1. Low percentage. Probably a, not a not an optimal decision on his part, certainly. The 6 is at the very top. I in the moment when I saw that replay, it's still etched in my mind that the only car really moving is the three, and he's coming down the racetrack. I don't think even the six was turning in just yet. The 45 certainly didn't do, any, do him any favors. The 45 went straight, right? But, you know, I had to say what I thought in that moment, you know, and, and it's uh, – you know, you don't love when a driver quickly comes into the – you know, d- does an interview mid-race and calls your name out, a broadcaster, right? You're like, hey, man, I'm just up here doing my job. Mm-hmm. I'm doing what I've been – if I don't call that, they'll get somebody in there that will. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I, will, I will not be in that booth. 
too long if I can't call it one way or another. Even if I'm wrong or right, doesn't really matter. Just that you got to have a, you got to make a choice in that moment. Anyhow, did um, he say anything to you this morning, just no. out of curiosity, that that, that might have changed your mind, or, or vice versa? Well, I don't know. Th- uh, we didn't really get into, hey man, did you watch the replay? Did you change your mind? He told me, um, he told me what I kind of already knew about. You know, the 45s move was low percentage. He wasn't going to make. You know, he wasn't going to be able to complete the pass uh, without a slide job, and he didn't. Appear, you know, he didn't make an attempt to do the. You know, overdrive the entry and slide job up in front of him. Uh, he. He he sees the wreck where he feels like the forty five put him in a bad spot. You mm. know, forty five should have never tried to make the pass. And so um I can understand his argument. Uh we had we talked about, you know, we talked about a lot of things outside of the crash, you know, but just basically it comes down to, hey, uh he's gonna race and, and he's gonna he's got his opinion about what went down and how he wants to move forward and I um, I'm doing my job. I think he understands and respects that. I'm doing what I think I need to do in that moment. And um, there will there will be times when you have uh, disagreement with the drivers, and you have to tell them like, "Hey, man, I'm I'm uh, you know I'm not out to throw you under the bus. I didn't say um, you are a bad driver. I didn't say that you don't belong out there. Um, you know, I just need to call it, and that's what I thought in that moment." And by all means, if, you know, we get together on Monday or Tuesday and, and, and you can change my mind, I will publicly say I've changed my mind about this. Yeah. I have no problem doing that. I, it's not – there's no wins and losses for me. Um, I go to the race, call the broadcast. When I get down, I feel the same every week. Um, and so, you know, I'm just I, – I know – I know when I've done a good job. I know when sometimes I know personally when I fell short on my role and responsibility. There's been times when there's been wrecks on the track, and I did not tell the truth. Mm. I didn't tell my truth. Mm. It's not that I told a lie. It's like I I stalled. I hesitated. Right, and that's where you know that's a hey that's a that's a thing I got to work through as a broadcaster. You know. And so there's been, and luckily in in those cases, Burton's been there to to be the one to say, "Hey, man, this is what I saw." Yeah, um, that's another part of that whole conversation. That's another whole part of that thing. Like when a driver does something, especially Austin, that we know, I'm friends with Austin, connection to RCR, Dad, you know, Richard, all of that, right? So is Jeff. Jeff's been a driver there. There's relationships, friendships. We both can't jump on the you know the same point if i if i if i think it's uh you know if i think austin made the move and caused that uh jeff's you know jeff might let me do that and and he will just let that be the that that's the comment right, right. so so we both kind of work in tandem to to try to talk about what we see and uh we both won't really say the same thing uh just because it's unnecessary um, could come off as piling on yes. and you don't want that. No. So that's what we're careful of. And, um, if you, if you disagree, then you can speak up. So yeah. I don't agree with that. I think this guy did this. That's, it's a, it's a interesting part of it. I don't know that it matters that much to the viewer at home. Um, but again, like that, that as a broadcaster in what my fifth years, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't even either. I'm still working on that. Right still working on the balance between 
um, not hesitating on a call, saying what I believe happened, because you don't really get a lot of time to correct it. The TV, my our production truck, they're not gonna let. They're not gonna give me uh, fifteen minutes. You know, they're not gonna give me two minutes later in the race to go. Hey, by the way, Explain. that wreck, I, I changed my mind. You know, I don't like right. what I said. I said this wrong. Or here's why you. Here's why I they, said that. Yeah, they don't not, care. We've moved on, buddy. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know what you said is what you said. Um, so I'm I'm trying to always get better at that. Hey, okay. Uh, side note. Are you as not as a broadcaster? I know you like it as a broadcaster, but as a race team owner, are you for drivers throwing their helmets in uh, yeah, in yeah. disgust? Or are you good with against? It. All right, you're good with it. Hey man, they know how much that helmet costs. The helmet's five thousand bucks, probably more. Um, they want to throw a thing, throw it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got to give kudos to Kim Coon at the post race. She did an interview with Kyle Larson. Typically, our questions, typically our interviews, go in with usually just a two-question deal, right? You're going to get two questions, and then we're moving on to the next. Um, the truck, I believe, I don't know for sure, but a lot of times the production truck, if they're not getting uh, – if they're not quite getting what they're looking for, they might ask the reporter, hey, go ahead and ask another question. Kim asked the perfect third question that unlocked the box, right, that got Kyle Larson to really open up. And, um, and you know, that I don't envy how difficult that is to talk to a driver who's not happy and then to have to continue to t- ask them multiple question after, you know, question after question. Usually the driver is wants to be somewhere else. They're going to give you – they're going to let you ask a question or two, and then they want the interview to end, mm-hmm. right? And so that's a, that's a really tough, uncomfortable situation to be in, man. She handled it like a pro – our, um, Do you remember what that question was? I, no. I I watched the interview too, and I'm trying to remember if it was about the friendship between think, her and Denny or what. All I, I know was that the interview from question two to three, the interview changed dramatically, and we were finally hearing like what we really wanted to know. And uh, you know I, that's that's when our you know those are the moments when you know Marty and Dave and those 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 guys down there that are working the pits. Uh, that's when it gets so good. Yeah, uh, when they can really, you know, those are those are you know they're interviewing drivers after crashes after, at the Enfield Care Center. Um, so they're always usually interviewing in difficult situations, especially if it's in the middle of the race. You know, it's not a, a favorable moment. And uh, she did a really good job there. Well, should we get into why she was interviewing him and why that was so? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, Denny, it was exactly like with the one car, uh, Ross Chastain, last year. So Denny gets position in the middle of the corner. Larson missed the corner, didn't uh, – didn't whatever, right? Larson didn't get through the corner as well. Denny gets to his – Denny gets wheel-to-wheel mid-corner. He makes a decision in that moment to throttle up and drive up the racetrack and door the hell out of the, one, out of the five. It's, it's, it, he, there's contact. He's, up, he's coming up the track, right? So – I agree uh, that it was uh, a you know a dirty move. Um, dirty's yeah. I agree that it was a dirty move to door him to throttle up and just door him, but it's for the win. You know, I it's not it's not how you would expect friends to race friends, uh, but maybe that friendship, which I've seen this and I've been part of this on the racetrack. When you got buddies, you use them up. 
<laughs> oh yeah, more than you would otherwise. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Because you know, you're like, hey man, I know this guy. I know he is not gonna do anything. I know he's, you know, I know him. You know, and I can, I can, I know, I feel like I can take advantage of this situation mm. and get out of the car and go, hey bud, come on man, you know, we just racing. Um, yeah, I've seen it before from other drivers uh, that were friends, and I've been in that situation with other drivers that were friends. I got fenced off of the turn two at Michigan by Matt running for 10th one year. And I'm like, you know, I don't know. Maybe he fences everybody off turn two in that scenario. But I felt like, damn, dude, why'd you do that to me? We were both going to run top ten. That shit mattered to me. If I was, if you know, if the best I could do was a top ten, I wanted it. You know what I mean? And he, he you know, I hit the wall and ended up getting passed by a couple people and ended up twelfth. And I was so pissed because difference from 10th a top 10 and a 12th is a big difference Mm -hmm. you know and matt's like hey i'm you know it's last lap i'm racing hard and sorry you know just the consequences of signing up to get in a car and go and so i can understand you know both sides of it i really think that put anybody else in denny's car and do you have the same outrage i mean he already had a lot of people pretty upset at him over over this this year, right? Uh, some of the things that he's been involved in on and off the track have soured a lot of fans, right? You go to the racetrack. I don't know. You haven't been to the racetrack a ton this year, Mike, but when you go there and he's introduced, he's likely the most booed driver. I agree with that. Um, it used to be uh, Kyle Busch, but no, it ain't even close. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> you know, he, he didn't help himself there. Uh, the fans were adamant. Now, I look down, and I'm in the booth, and I'm looking down, and there's some fans cheering. I, there's some 11 flags and shirts, and they they got their arm in there. But it was like 80-20. Yeah, I yeah. believe that. And it you was, had a funny line. What? You had a, you had such a funny line because Jeff Burton was like, uh, no, this is the right call by NASCAR. And you oh. said, I don't think that's why they're booing, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> And that, that's not we why they were doing. We should talk about that too. We yeah. will in a minute. We'll get to that in a minute. Well, yeah, the it, caution at the end. Yeah, but look, I, <laughs> I you know, I have a heart. Look, he he throttled up and drove him up the racetrack. That's what happened. He crossed some lanes. I, he did. He doored there, him. There's no denying that. Yeah. He doored him. Now, when you slow it down, frame by frame, like. I, they didn't, you know, when the five hits the wall, Denny's not in his door. Right. Right. It's not that egregious. Right. You know, that would have been total, total, total. Shit. He bounces off of him and then kind of turns down the track. Denny didn't even get off the corner. He ain't, he didn't, he's not full throttle and just hit, a, he didn't hit, he didn't hit a badass exit. They hit. Denny kind of turns down the track. There's a car length and a half between them when the five's in the fence. But yes. The five's in the fence because of Denny. For sure. But they both come off the corner and have to block like hell because they both got off the corner so shit. So, um, you know, it's 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 a little disrespectful, but it's it's also hard racing. And the thing that I cannot ignore, say what you want about whether you hate Denny or you hate the move or you think it's shit. I don't I'm way beyond I'm I can't get into that part of it. I don't I'm what I cannot stop thinking about is 
how freaking good it is right now to be a NASCAR fan. Thank you. And how great the last four weeks have been. Yep. How that place looked like a 1994 crowd. It was packed. Slammed. Yep. The infield, I tweeted, I retweeted a, a couple images from 2019 to, to, the, to yesterday. Stark difference, right, between how many fans were in the infield, the cars parked around the racetrack for the fans that are at the, uh, at the grandstands. The storylines, look, you know, I know that, you know, if you're a Kyle Larson fan, you're pissed off about that race. You think that was a deal. You're mad. But your sport that you love is thriving. And if you can take a little comfort in just being a little happy about what kind of growth we're seeing, what kind of sparks we're creating, what kind of what kind of conversations we're starting. Uh, we, you know, we need exactly what we got yesterday. We need that. We need that villain. We need contact, confrontation. Um, Somebody's got to do it. God dang, man. Yeah. It, when it ain't there, yeah. good Lord, it's boring. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. When there ain't nothing going, when you don't give a crap about the, the two, three guys up there battling for the lead and they're three car lengths apart all day and, man, letting each other pass and, Driving by each other cleanly and not even really putting up a fight. I mean, that's where we were not long ago. That's right. Yeah. What we got right now, man, it ain't it ain't scripted. This is real. This is authentic. This is literally exactly what I love about NASCAR. And maybe this just me. I grew up in night and I grew up I grew up in the 80s, watching Dad run over everybody. <laughs> and we loved it. <laughs> yep. Put the Hey, he's catching that guy. Watch him put the bumper to his ass. We freaking wanted it. We expected it. You knew it was coming. Yes. <laughs> Couldn't wait for it. And, man, when he passed him without hitting him, it was disappointing. <laughs> what, this clean? You're like, damn, know, man. Here for the clean stuff? Yeah. What, what's up with that? <laughs> I'm, I mean, you know, there's a little seriousness to that. I, no, I'm with there's you. There's some dude. honesty to that. Listen, so, this goes back to the thing. This is NASCAR's identity, whether you like it or not. This, you know, yeah. Matt Weaver had a really good article, a couple good articles this week uh, in reaction to it, and it's like, this is the sport, man. Yeah. This is what we are. Yeah. Not, we don't. It's not that you endorse dirty driving. Sure. That's not it. Yeah. But there is that nuance that yeah. these are the cars with the fenders on them. So. You want the cars with the fenders. They use the fenders. Yeah. And then we embrace everything on the aftermath of it, including the hypocrisy. Yeah. And there is some of that. Yeah. There's some hypocrisy. I'm here for it all, by the way. And yeah. I love it. I love it because you were so excited. You put out a really good tweet yesterday uh, after the race. And it's just like, yo, say what you will. You knew that the the fighting and the feuding and all that stuff was going to happen. And, this, you know, us podcasters are going to get in here. And we're going to de debate it. But we're here for it all, aren't yeah. we? Isn't it fun? Yeah. I, that was a fantastic race yesterday. Yeah. It really was. It really was. And, and the, the ones I want to know from, I think that there's, there's a group of people that could be actually the most objective on the planet. You know who it is? Chase Elliott fans. They're the ones that I want to know from because, be honest with you, they like neither driver. In fact, they 
probably dislike both. They've got reasons to dislike both. And if you remember Watkins Glen last year, Kyle Larson ran in the, to win the race, ran Chase right off, and there was a lot of bad animus after that race, including from Chase himself, right? So we've all been in that situation, right? We've all we've got drivers that have been on the receiving end, on the giving end, and, and here it is. I've been curious, about, honestly, for the first time in my life, Chase Elliott fans, what do you think? Is it Denny Hamlin? Was he right, or was Kyle Larson right? Yeah, because you don't like neither one of them. They're they're neutral on the yeah. The yeah, one yeah. time well, everything's aligned yeah. for them to be neutral. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Yeah, because Kyle Larson, listen, Kyle Larson. Here's the thing I wanted to ask you. Denny has always been on the side of Kyle Larson is a very aggressive driver, but for some reason, it's me as a viewer. I don't see that aggression as much. But then when you have like Watkins Glen and Fontana when he's running with Chase Elliott and a couple other times. I'm curious if if Kyle Larson would have done the same thing that Denny did if yeah. the situation was reversed. Yeah, um, I think so. I really do, and and I don't have a I don't really have a problem with it. So the, there's a there's something TJ used to say on the radio when you when you would get in the position that that Denny was in, TJ's line would be take what you need, and honestly, that's the mentality of the driver in that moment, the spotter, uh, the crew chief, all the all the crew guys standing on the wall or huddled huddled behind the pit box looking at that TV screen waiting to see the decision the driver makes. They all want that driver to take what he needs, what he wants. All right, if I'm if I owned the race car of either one of those drivers, I'd want them to do what they needed to do. What they had to do to win, right? And so, your I think your opinion of what you saw and what happened depends on what side you're on, hundred percent, what role you play, right? Put, 100%. Your, put yourself in the shoes of of you know the crew chief or the mechanics or the engine builder for that eleven car. What are your thoughts, right? Change your try to truly put yourself in that position, and I I would expect you and rightly so to have a different opinion being on the other side of that, being in Larson's camp or working on that five car, right? I would expect you to be real pissed off. Right. And so either way, all of this sells tickets. Yeah. Right? We're we're going through becoming Earnhardt, right? Talking about 1979. And we all know what happened at Daytona in the fight. What we are learning is how that affected all ticket sales throughout the rest of the year, all the way through May, they're outselling every track from the years before. This crescendoed and continued this current, right? And so we know that. Me and you, you mean you are learning all about that, right? That 1979 season and how that one little spat affected uh, everything. Everything. All everything. these fans were buying tickets that had never been to a race before. I got to see this. I got to watch NASCAR. Is this what I'm going to see? And so it it's absolutely going to have a good positive effect on the next race and beyond. And we've got some storylines. The one other thing too, man, and I just thought about this morning. For the last two and a half years or however long, Den- Denny's been getting run over and crying about it and not doing nothing. Oh, yeah. He's sort of changed a little bit. Seems like he's doing something Seems now, like and he's he? doing something, right? And ever so, since ever since we started making joke about Denny's yeah. list. My question is, <laughs> is that 
the difference maker in Denny becoming a champion or not. Mm. <clears throat> Him changing that mentality in his head and saying, instead of being run over, I'm going to do the running over. Mm. Instead of being everybody's punching bag, I'm going to I'm going to be the one swinging. Is that change in mentality, which is certainly a a, a different style than we usually see from Denny, is that going to uh, it, will that make a difference for him this year? What an interesting question. You know, I couldn't help. Because uh, that's everybody's, you know, when you go on Twitter, that's, that's everything you read. Yeah. Guy ain't never won a championship. Well, Guy ain't never won a championship. Well, yeah, but there's examples of how uh, doing it either way has produced results. I mean, let's take Martin Truex, for example. Truex is not going to run you dirty, right? No, he won't. No, he won't. And you know what? He had a reason, t- and he had an opportunity to get Joey Logano back. I was yeah. listening to yeah. Jeff Gluck and Jordan Bianchi do this. Joey Logano and will will do. He'll take what he needs, right? We he can did. say that. That's what he wants. And he also can win a championship that way, yeah. right? He's so, done it. Yeah. And so, but Truex lost a championship that way. Yes. So it is an interesting question that you got there because is Denny now made a a, a change in mentality to like my time's running out. I've done. I've tried to be nice. It's funny, even when Denny tries to be nice, it's so funny how it just doesn't it comes, work out it for comes him. Off, like I, I texted Travis. It comes Rockhold. off as so, so condescending when does, he tries to be nice. He does. If you want to honestly talk about the thing that I was like a little cringe on from from yesterday was that okay, I wish Denny would have actually shown a little bit of remorse, like or not even remorse. Remorse is the wrong word, but just a little bit of understanding that, that there, there's another side to this coin and that he might have he might have crossed that line a little bit. He might have. He might have. He did not no. indicate anything, which is what led to Kyle Petty going, people that think they're always right have no remorse. Yeah. And so it's, it's quite interesting. I would have liked – Denny to done what Kyle Larson did at Watkins Glen last year. Yep. He got he got out of the car. People were a little iffy on what he did. Was it was it fair to Chase Elliott? He got out and goes, look, I wouldn't have liked to have done it that way. That I did it. I had the decision to make, and that's what I chose to do to win the race. That's fair, right? Yep. I I wish I hadn't done it, or I wish I had not been in that deci- uh, that that situation. That's what Kyle Larson did. Denny not so much. Yeah. Denny's like, hey, look, <laughs> I didn't even hit him. That's like, okay, wait a second. Wait <laughs> yeah, a second. He did and he say goes, that. He, look, he had a choice. He had a choice. I mean, Denny, yeah, when you cross 47 lanes yeah. <laughs> to get to him in that turn, yeah, they can pretty much have a choice. I, I can't understand how Denny didn't know he hit him. I guess he just can't feel it. And the cars, I don't know. I guess the composite bodies is just, I don't understand how he does not think he hit him yeah you know we're recording this well, he, on monday and we don't get a chance to listen know, to his podcast he, so maybe he, well i know just judging by his judging by the radio stuff and he's he isn't sure he says did i hit him or he asks a question of this of his crew chief gabe hart and gabe Hart's like i told you you didn't so he's getting reinforcement from his people like no nah, man yeah believe you didn't hit him because you didn't hit him i'm telling you you didn't hit him and so he gets out of the car and goes hey we didn't even touch and i'm like oh shit yeah, you touched. <laughs> exactly. Buddy. How do you not know you touched? How do you not know? It's um, so funny. It, is, I, it goes I, back I, to last year, whether we when we debated and disagreed on whether yeah. they touched last year. Yeah, some guy uh, went on Twitter and said we that they should all boycott uh, actions detrimental so that we'll cancel his show. How do you think that's going to go? I just don't think that that's going to work. I don't think so either. No, I'm I not about wait. cancel culture. I Sorry, guys. Well, I can't wait to listen to what he says. Oh, Will I he have either. a change of heart? Right. This right. is all going to come out about the same time. I cannot wait. Will he, and I bet he doesn't. But I do want to know. You don't think that? Well, in the no. Co- about let uh, me. about whether he touched him. I wonder. 
No, I'm. I wonder in the comfort of his own home whether he walks it back and says, "Yeah, I see we hit." Uh, you know, I'd rather not have done it that way. Um, I feel bad. Uh, you know, I hate that for I hate that for Larson. I want us to be pals. I want. I don't ever want to ruin um, our opportunities to go to the escape room together and do <laughs> do fun things. That's what they need to do. Yeah. They need to go to the escape room. They already have. <laughs> they did that a couple years ago. That's funny. Yeah. Oh man! I was like, man, when you're escape room buddies, you know, it's tough. That's just tough trying to be friends on the <laughs> <Right>. racetrack. <laughs> so, holy crap, man! Oh, all right. So, did you have? Uh, everybody wants to know Cal Petty's strong words afterwards. I thought he was right. You know, yeah. I thought that. You know, I didn't. I thought it was. Uh, it it is what it is. It's a dirty move. He gassed up and doors him right, but it's also the last lap for the win. That's it. It's not whether it was a dirty move or not. Everybody yeah. can make that opinion. It's whether or not you're okay with but it. But I also That's the question. I agree with Kyle, but I also factor in Kyle's past relationship with Denny. Like they I don't know that they are Facebook friends. Mm. Um and you remember years ago, oh seven, I think it was, when they got an argument in the garage mid Yeah, physical, right? Yeah, I think it, well it slapped uh, Kyle his, slapped his visor down. Right. Um <clears throat> so I, I, I can't help but not factor that in, right? To you know, to all of that. I don't know. Um, Did you, I, I don't disagree with Kyle. What? I'm, and, I, and I see you don't either by judging by your... Yeah, I don't think I disagree with him. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, like, Kyle has his own style of going hard to yes. the hoop. I don't know that I go and, you know, dunk all over yeah. Denny like Kyle does. I love that because Kyle's really the one... We need... The broadcast needs that guy. Right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. And Kyle... Kyle has no, he has no, he don't, he has no give a shit. Like when, zero, zero. When hey, he, listen, we used to be mad at him. Yeah, back when you were a oh, driver. Yeah. I mean, he said some pretty egregious things about you, yeah. and you know what? I don't think he still cares about that either. No, he don't care. <laughs> I, yeah, I. Um, he's gonna say what he thinks. He's gonna say he believes it, he feels it, and he's gonna lay it all out there. And he has no problem. I, I admired it. How was the? Because uh, he's talking to that, you know, millions of people. How is these things. the conversation with all you booth guys on the way home? Did you guys just talk about this all the way back? Not really. Um, we just, I think we were happy about the, you know, the job we did and happy about the race being, you know, I think we all were um, not so analytical about the moment and the moves and the decision by the drivers, but so much more like, hey, man, how about these last handful of races? Mm. How about, how badass is this? How, how, how can we sustain this, right? Keep this going. How can hopefully the racing continues to be compelling? Yeah. All right. That's all we care about. Hey, everyone. In case you haven't heard, maybe you have, but Dirty Mo Media is heading back to Bristol for the all inclusive ultimate experience tailored specifically for you, the Dirty Mo Media listener. Join us September 16th for the NASCAR Cup Series Bristol Night Race and enjoy a luxury VIP suite experience that includes parking passes, appearances by the host of Door Bumper Clear, and others. I even heard that maybe Steve Letarte from Dirty Mode Doe, maybe even Chopper might stop by. That'll be fun. Plus, you get free swag, all the food you can eat, all the beer you can drink. It really is a good time. We've got a lot of repeat customers coming back, but also we want to see some new ones. And so listen, if you want to come join us, do not wait. Get your ticket today. It's at DirtyMoMedia.com forward slash ultimate experience again dirtymomedia.com forward slash ultimate experience we hope to see you there i guess we can get on into some ash jr 
Let's get to it. Ask Junior brought to you by Xfinity. Xfinity is a great supporter of the Dale Junior Download and certainly has sponsored the Ask Junior part of the show for I don't know how long. Seems like uh, two decades now. Um, you've sent all of your questions into at Xfinity Racing on Twitter. They've been great every week. Who's behind the monitor over there? It'll be me today. Oh, it's you today. Yeah. Okay. So Alex is gonna pull the questions. You have a pretty big shoes to fill alex because oh i know yeah andrew has done an amazing job with this all year i'll try not to let him down and this so and don't suck yeah especially coming off vacation mode yep. yeah yeah coming be, off vacation mode straight out of grease you're probably rusty we'll you know we'll accept that and understand that you might not be hitting on all cylinders today yeah i'm gonna be down a little, one a little bit but yeah <laughs> Awesome. So anyways, the questions. Awesome. Well, well, our first question is about that last caution. Ethan wants to know, do you think NASCAR made the right call delaying it as long as they did instead of throwing it before they took the white flag? Yeah. So in we have a competition meeting with NASCAR every race. And so Sunday morning, one of the questions we asked was, in the Xfinity race, the seven car, Justin Algar, lost his tailpiece coming off of turn three. And the tailpiece is laying on the racetrack right before the flag stand and there's cars running around the racetrack on the last lap. And usually the yellow flag would come out, right? You're like, hey, uh, what, what are they doing? The yellow flag's not coming out. There's a piece. They're, they're not at, Surely they're not racing back to uh, the checkered with this piece laying here. So we asked NASCAR, and they said, you know, at a big racetrack like that, we can wait and allow the racing to continue and give the fans as much as we possibly can. And we anticipated throwing the yellow as the cars got into turn three so that they would be able to avoid, you know, any kind of issue with this tailpiece laying on the track. And they did not get that opportunity because they had another crash happen uh, off of turn or the, the eight car hitting the wall in the tunnel turn, other things happening on the racetrack. But anyways, their idea was, all right, it's the tailpiece. We see it. They told the teams. We see the tailpiece on the racetrack. Uh, and they were going to let the race continue uh, as far as they could to allow whatever racing to play out that could possibly play out. So I thought that was a great decision. And they said, you know, a track of this size gives us that opportunity. If it's at Bristol, we're throwing the yellow as soon as the tailpiece pops off. Um, but at a bigger track like that, they, they use a different approach. And, hey, I like it, giving me more racing, right? Giving me everything I can get up to a point. And that was the same mentality that they had on Sunday. And they were going to try to allow that racing. Hopefully this 41 car can get going. Uh, Priest was, you know, we saw the exhaust. Uh, they were seeing the same thing we are. He's trying to fire the car. It looked like he got it fired. Then it stalled again. We saw earlier in the race it was difficult for Austin Dillon to get his car refired and, refired and going again after a spin and contact. And so NASCAR's like, come on, come on, get it going, get it going. Want to let this keep going, want to let this race keep going. And so, you know, I like that. I think at a track that size where you can, you can, um, you know, you're, you're still, everything safety-wise, everything's still in the box that we want to be in. Uh, and so let it keep going. Let it, let the green flag keep going. I don't have a problem with it. I don't think, you know, I'm not of the mind, hey, man, why didn't the yellow come out before the white? Let's get a re let's re-rack and go again. Uh, the job is to try to get to the checkered, right? And they were trying their best to try to get there, and hopefully that 41 gets moving. 
and he couldn't do it. Yeah. Uh, our next question is from Cody. Uh, can you remember the worst apology you've ever received or given a driver after something that's happened on track between you two? Mm. I wonder how you define worst apology. Yeah. Like, I mean, I will say the mm-hmm. one. Yeah, I think. Um, I don't. I don't know that I ever said. I don't know that I ever apologized for something and didn't really like. Uh, I don't know that I was just like flip it and not like you know, whatever, man. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Who cares about you? Um, I will say like the one, the one. <laughs> this is often cited as probably the one moment in my racing career where fans of of our car were most disappointed in me or most embarrassed by me and this is the wreck on the back straightaway at daytona i think it was 2008 or 2010 um we got a really fast car rain's coming we lost a lap because of a battery issue or something and i'm racing brian vickers for the lucky dog and i know i got it there's i got to get in front of him we could have a wreck any minute everybody's racing toward this rain so intensity is high and this was also during a moment or during a time frame where they were um they were really there was really no defined understanding of when you might get black flagged for going below the line it was almost like hey man if nascar looked and you were below the line you got a black flag they didn't care how you got there they just saw you down there. They're like, "That's wrong." Yeah. So, I got to run off the corner on Brian, and we—I've talked about this before. So sorry, I have to have to have to do this. But um, <laughs> he cuts—he comes down the racetrack, and I'm like, "I'm not going below the line, buddy." And he he forces me below the line. I'm like, "You you took you you took my spot. You pushed me away. You pushed me down the track. I'm coming back up. If you don't move, I'm sorry." Yeah. So I drive back up the racetrack, turned him turned him he overcorrected back into the field big crash and honestly man i ain't felt i felt hardly little or no remorse for that ever since really yeah i mean and i told him on the phone we get on the phone and he's like what the hell and i'm like you ran me below the line i'm coming back up to the racetrack to get back in line or get back on the track i'm under you you forced me down move move up You, you you what do you want me to get you want me to lift and get behind you this is not how racing works. And I, in that moment, man, I was like, you're, I don't have, I, I, I no longer care what happens to you. You put yourself in this situation and you're going to, and the, whatever consequences come are because of what you did. And that was, you know, kind of the conversation we had, at least the way I remember it. And uh, I remember standing at my doorway in my house, talking to him on the phone and saying, like, man, I hate the crash and taking everybody out, but I really don't have a problem with what I did and what I chose to do in that moment. Yeah. And I know even today, my, you know, fans of my career, that was a point where they didn't really understand why I was acting that way or why I did that, and that's a, that was something they didn't approve of or were embarrassed by, but I still have no problem with it. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes you just – uh, there's times when I know the repercussions, like 15 cars crashing, is not good. I don't love that. But me and the point between the moment between me and Brian, I handled it the way I wanted to handle it. And so, um, there's times when you 
you know, there's just times when you, you can't, uh, you know, there's times when you're going to have a conversation with a driver and he wants an apology and you just can't bring yourself to do it. You know, you're just like, I really don't feel like I did nothing wrong there. Do what you had to do. Yeah. That was the 2009 day 2500. I'm looking at it on YouTube right now. What a massive wreck that was. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I mean, if he spins down across the grass, I'm like, hey, all right, shipped your ass and you deserved it. But he wrecks, you know, he corrects in front of the field. And now, now, yes, I feel like a real ass. Yeah. But um, he absolutely puts you in a, <laughs> a, in a, a compromising situation below that yellow line and you absolutely come back up on him. It actually reminds me, you know, we talk about this in today's podcast about if you put your shoe on the other foot, you can understand each person's sure. uh, vantage point and perspective and why they might be angry. Same thing in this one. Like if you're Brian Vickers, you did come up on him, but if you're you, yeah. he came down yeah. on you and pushed you down below the yellow line. I mean like, yeah, both of when them. When he pushed me, when he drove me down, he's like, God, he, you know, I, he, he, what choice does he have now? I'm here. I'm against the line. Yep. He's got to get behind me. Right, which is what Denny's like. Kyle could have just let off the gas. Yes. He had a decision. He could throw it all. Right, but that's not what you were going to do, no. and that's not what Kyle Larson was going to do. So no. you, these guys know what, you're, you know what you're doing when you yeah. put somebody below the line. Take, it's a taking advantage of the situation. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I just remember DW's call from that was just saying, "I don't know, I don't care who you are. You're, that's just wrong." I know he was mad. That's low down, dirty. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he said yeah. something like that. Yeah, that's right? all I'm he could sorry. say. Hey, I don't feel, I don't feel, I don't feel like I, I feel like I did what I needed to do in that moment. Yeah. If I lifted uh, in that moment, uh, then then Vickers gets away, you know, gets away with doing that, and and everybody's going to race me that way yeah. from that moment on. Yeah. So the point is, he's still not sorry. Yeah. Still not sorry. Sorry, yeah. not sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Uh, switching gears a little bit. This one's a little bit of an off-the-wall question. Uh, Corey wants to know, if you didn't have to sleep, what would you do with all the extra time? Hell, yeah. Oh. Free eight hours right there. That's such a great question. Yeah. I would probably, whatever I tell you, I'd change my mind in five minutes. That's um, I'd play more iRacing. I'd play more... Uh, video games in general. Um, I'd work on my 1979 podcast and maybe already be working on the 1980 podcast uh, for Becoming Earnhardt. Um, I would... I don't know, man. I mean... Eight hours is a lot. It is. I'd still want everybody else to be asleep. Yeah? Do you think Sorry. so? Yeah, because I mean, that, that's a key to uh, mm. uh, uh I mean, I, selfishly, I might, you know, take one of those days and have a, you know, get a good beer buzz and then sober yeah. right back up before everybody got, got going. <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, you'd be tempted to, to, to you know, if is everybody awake? Is, that's right. That's a good like, question. You know, See, that I'm, changes yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. If everybody uh, yeah. Is, is awake, then I don't know. Yeah, if everybody's awake, then I may be doing something with my family. Uh, traveling more I don't know Jeez I think they're awake If you want them awake yeah. So it's up to you Yeah Yeah I, That's what I would think Yeah if it's just me If it's If I'm the only one Awake Yeah I'm probably Going downstairs Turn on some uh, YouTube videos Watch I like to watch uh, Music videos mm -hmm. So like I, You know I've changed You change the way You take music in Right Yeah Used to listen to Your iPod And now it's like You know Um you got, you know, your Apple TV or whatever, your Roku. But I'll get on YouTube videos and listen to music. Mm -hmm. Watch old, old 
like yacht rock music videos and stuff. Yeah. I'd probably sit there and do that for several hours. That's and not bad. Drink some beer. Waste some time doing that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, man. Go sit on the beach. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, you can do anything you wanted. It's a lot. It's a long time. Yeah. Uh, the next one has to do with becoming Earnhardt. Tim wants to know, uh, they've been incredible. He loves them. But what has been your biggest challenge and what's been the most, uh, the best part of making them? Uh, the biggest challenge is trying to keep all of the stuff in there. So I, uh, <laughs> my class. So it, it's a tough challenge. So, <clears throat> so the scrapbooks that I that I had that started this whole thing, they have a bunch of information in them. But we've been digging in like a dozen other publications, right, to try to find little stories, right, little fun stories. Something happened to somebody driving to the track. Something happened to somebody driving home. Something. You know, whatever, you know, and the shows, Mike wants, you know, Mike and Dirty Mo Media and the team, they want the shows to be roughly 35 to 45 minutes and, and easy to listen to easy, you know, and it's hard to pack all that stuff in there and hard to keep all those little stories. <laughs> and so me and Mike are really kind of going back and forth with every episode going, all right, man, we'll, I'll let you take this out. Okay. Well, we'll move this to this episode and. We can shorten this up. I'll reread this, and it doesn't have to be so long. To be able to find time, like episode three, unedited, is an hour and a half, right? Yeah. You told me, and we need <laughs> to cut a hour, you know, forty-five minutes out of this thing, right? And there is a, you know, the way I wrote it and this in the script of it is very wordy, right? And there's certainly I'm certainly not the most talented at that, so there's ways to say the same thing in a very brief, uh, you know, a few sentences. So. Going back and re-recording stuff, that part is really the the toughest part. Mike tells me over and over, we did this all backwards. I came to them with the idea and really the whole script, and said this is the show, and now they got to come in behind and and put in all the sound elements and and read the script and go. Well, we need the sound element for that. Now we have to go find it. Luckily, we've been we've been given the entire archive of MRN. They've been so great to us uh, to allow us to have uh, – that really makes the shows come to life. That's probably the best part about it is being able to to couple the narration with the actual audio of the race. And so um, we're finding some really cool gems of races that I didn't even know existed. Um, and, yeah, so I, I hope people listen to it. That's all I care about. It's just I think if you hear it and you get into episode two, three – you'll realize this is something special and unique. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, people all, I think a lot of people, some comments I see is people go, well, I've heard this. You know, I know, I know what happened at Daytona in 1979. What's, what could you possibly tell me that I don't already know? And so I think you'll really be surprised if you dive into the show. Um, how we deliver it is really entertaining and there are some new revelations in there. Yeah. And so, especially beyond that race, Right? What does everybody know about the rest of the season? I surely don't know much about it, not detail. And so it's kind of cool to to relive it. I think, man, if I wish there was this, I wish there was something like this out there for every year in NASCAR. Would you not want to sit down and just like have a badass refresher course on 1992, yeah. 1989? Like, what was that year like? What happened? What was the process of it? Um, pre-social media too all these little stories that you, yeah. you don't really you'll never hear about unless they're told passed down through people yeah 
And those again, that goes back to like trying to keep those little pieces in there. Um, that's part of the personality of the the show is that it's not just what Dad did in 1979. It's all these little quirky things that were going on in the garage that really help you understand what the culture might have been like, right? Like I want so badly to go back in time and walk through the garage at Charlotte on a Saturday before the World 600. Look at the cars, watch the people, see the mannerisms. And this is what I think this show can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got to just put all the stories, like five or six in there. Mike can't take them all out, you know? (laughs) You pick one or two. I I end up keeping them all. We work (laughs) hard at it. Yeah, it's not that I'm trying to take them (laughs) all out. It's it's a sequential thing. It's a sequence. Let me give you an example. And I say this is an endearing quality of Dale, right? And this is what we want. Let's say he's given a rundown finishing order of Rockingham. It'd be something like this. Bobby Allison won the race. Kel Yarbrough finished second. Daryl Waltrip earlier in the week had a hemorrhoid. I'm sure that was probably bothering him. <laughs> anyway, so you had Harry Gant finishing third, and then you had Dad finishing fourth, and then, uh, oh, by the way, you know, and, and so I was like, wait, 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 what am I supposed to do with this? Like, th- yeah. th- we, we were trying to give the top five finishing order, and then there's a story, this yeah. diversion that goes, wow, way <laughs> over here. That's that's where I'm like, I don't know what to do with yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, when so, I, so we end up just going, yeah. let's just leave it. I'll tell you, what, you, <laughs> know, you know what Dale Waltrip was doing there. That's it, though. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's all we got for today. Hey, man. <laughs> awesome questions. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in, supporting everything we're doing here at Dirty Mo Media. We're working so hard to bring a bunch of great content to everybody. And uh, hope you're taking it in and enjoying it. And, um, again, thanks for supporting us. Thanks to Xfinity for everything they do for us and, and our uh, um, all the things we do here at Dirty Mo Media. Just uh, let us know, man, what you, what we're missing, what you'd like to see from us, what uh, what you do enjoy, what we can keep doing for you. Uh, we love that feedback. Uh, we want to be making the content that, that you want. So uh, help us do that. So don't forget today, as as uh, we get toward the end of the day, this episode of the Dale Jr. Download comes out on Monday. It's the only week we're doing this. Nothing tomorrow. Becoming Our Heart comes out on Wednesday, episode three. And um, I'm loving all the feedback that I'm seeing in my timeline on Twitter. I check it. I look at it and read everything you say about becoming Earnhardt um, or anything else we do. Everything I, everything comes across my timeline. I'm, I'm checking it out. So I appreciate all the great feedback I'm getting on that. All right, everybody, that was a lot of fun. Good show. Um, Mike, thanks for uh, making some adjustments for me to be able to allow us to hap- this to happen on Monday. And um, it's going to give me a little time with my family this week. It's Good. always important. Family first, everybody. That's right. Don't ever feel bad for putting yourself in a situation to be with your family more. And um, I hope everybody will tune in again to the to the episode of Becoming Earn Heart on Wednesday and everything else we got going on this week. Let us know if you listen, if you can bring yourself to listen to Actions Detrimental this week. Give us your feedback, whether you approve or disagree with Denny. Um And anyways, um, yeah, thanks for a great weekend. Hope everybody had fun. Uh, Enjoy your week. Uh, Going to Richmond this weekend. Cup race only. The Xfinity boys will not be there. So just solely focusing on cup. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we'll see you there.
Dirty Mo Media. Check out Dirty Mo Media on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. Come on, Dirty Mo Media.